Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I've been around security for the last 20 years. I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisor for companies. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I always intrigued to learn how companies start. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is also affiliated to the Security Architecture Podcast. I have a pleasure today to talk to Jackson, a founder of Aztec Security, about their company and their product. And they actually won the 10 finalists for RSA Sandboxing 2023. Jackson, can you please tell me about yourself and the company? Thank you very much, Vienna, and great being here. Yeah, so quick about myself, the CEO and co-founder at Asterix. Before this, I actually joined the first automotive cybersecurity company called Argus Cybersecurity, also a Tel Aviv-based company we actually sold for, I think it was almost half a billion over there to a big German company. So a few years of leading the R&D there. Prior to that, I spent almost 12 years at A200, the cybersecurity unit. I'm sure most of our listeners know these numbers by now, but quite a long army career there. I left as a major. My last position, I was head of the cloud department, so anything to do with vulnerability management, offensive operations, and stuff like that. And prior to that, different leadership positions in the Army. I did my master's thesis in cryptography, so quite a geeky guy in heart to start with. That's a quick brief about myself, and we started Asterix about a year and a half, or a year and eight maybe ago, running very fast since. Actually just opened our offices in New York a few months ago. I moved, relocated over here. We're... 27 employees so far now recruiting our first US-based sales reps. I'm very excited about the RSA. This is especially exciting for us this year, as you shared, being the top 10 RSA there is enormous. Great to have you here. I'm wondering, around a year and a half ago, what was going in your mind that moved you to start the Asterix? You were trying to solve a customer problem. You saw there was something missing in the cybersecurity field and domain. Dan and I, my partners, we worked in cybersecurity, like I shared about myself. Dan was in Deep Instinct, the company that is machine learning based endpoint protection before that. So we both were very immersed in the cybersecurity space for a long time. And we saw a lot of problems, right? There are always a lot of problems, Dan. We tried to figure out what kind of problem is big right now, will only increase the size of the bias really underserved. And I always say it was not like a light bulb instance where you kind of wake up one morning and you have an idea, right? That's it, I got it. It was much more of a long process. We talked with around 100 CISOs and asked them these questions. What's the problem today? What will only increase? What do you envision? What are you lacking today? And that was a long process. Of course, we left our jobs, took a few months working in the garage, as they say, to do that. And I think the interesting thing was for us to first convince ourselves that we have something that we believe in, that is going to be big, that will change something and will be important in the space. And that was the first months of before actually starting the company and raising the seed round. We have an idea. And I always ask people here, how did you know people going to buy it? What kind of validation you actually did? I think really just talking with, as I said, around 100 CISOs and asking them and getting back to them with different insights after a few weeks was very important for us. And I think when we went to raise the seed round, we had some good established design partners who were backing us saying, if you build this, I will buy this instantly. So we had, I think, six or seven well-known design partners ready to start this process with us. Actually, one of them, we installed our first deployment two weeks after starting the company. That's how eager they were to actually partner with us on that. 
and we came, you know, with a good POC and everything. So I think taking the time to build the thesis and not just build the thesis, but really engage both on the technology side and on the business side and convincing yourself before going out and convincing others was very important for the both of us. A lot of people on LinkedIn talk about cold calling, how to find the first customer. You just mentioned me that you spoke with a hundred CISOs. So why would the CISO reply and answer Jackson? Because probably people are busy to find and fix their own problems. I think that's also an important part. So we built a large network just by ourselves through these few months. And I didn't share maybe, but Idan and I, we go a long way together. We worked there for 15 years already. We came from different aspects inside the A200. This really gives you a diverse in terms of the people we know in the network in the cybersecurity industry in Israel, which is quite a dense network. We really use this network to leverage and get to different prospects, both in Tel Aviv and worldwide. This took a lot of time. And I think the interesting part was mostly ending every call with every security manager with a simple question. If you enjoy this engagement, you have colleagues or friends you can recommend for us to learn to. We have nothing to sell. We're here to share our experience and ask questions. Sometimes just 15 minutes, 20 minutes is enough. So that's just really networking and talking with people and asking for references and just being good. We actually helped a lot of different customers with our proficiency in terms of different aspects of cybersecurity that we can do. And really just bringing value and not just asking for things and being someone that others would want to promote to their friends is very important. We did do some outreach and cold calls, not over the phone, but on LinkedIn. We did that a few times. I think we got quite low returns in terms of actual replies and people hopping on a quick Zoom intro call. But that's something you can do. I think it's much more cost-effective to just get a good group to promote you and build from there. It's amazing how just in a timestamp of a few months, you can really create meaningful relationships with people. So being a human being, it's actually very important. <laughs> and yeah. give back to community as well. Yeah, I think that's a basic in everything, but especially in business where it's built on trust and especially in business and cybersecurity, it's all built on trust. So I want to ask you a question about people because you're talking about people right now. You already mentioned you went and raised the money, so it's great. But now you need to go build a team. How you decided who to hire? Because you probably want to find people that are sharing your ideas, sharing your culture, but don't want to be exactly like you because they want to challenge you or maybe want to provide a different view on the problems as well. So I think the first kind of core team was especially easy for us in that sense. Like I said, we went to raise... The seed round, we had good design partners, the POC in place and stuff like that. We had some amazing team members. They were all team leaders before. There were officers or soldiers that served with us before that in the army. So they were like, okay, once the company is there, we're in. We trust you, we're running with you. So it was very easy to get the first team up and running very quick. And it's an easy decision because we know these people. You don't have to interview them. You don't have to do all these back channels and everything. And you're right. It is the same culture we know and feel comfortable with, and it helps you run very fast to start with. I think as the company progresses and you start to have different teams and different disciplines inside the company, so you start bringing in different people from different backgrounds. And that's actually very important for us. So some of our core members were from the Unit A200. Some were from different cybersecurity startups of so first employees in SNEAK, person is in XM Cyber and some amazing companies out there. So really bringing in both the industry knowledge of how to do things, that was very important for us. And by the way, both genders, so women too, 
And it's always kind of intimidating for someone new to come into quite a small team where everyone is just men. So you have to have the first women there or everyone is from 800 unit. I'm the only one who is not, right? So really diversify very quick was something that we had in mind. So you're the CEO of the company and you have a technical background. Usually the CEO is the first salesperson as well. How was for you to lead sales or I'm still leading sales? So of course, I'm still leading sales these days. That's true. I haven't written a line of code for maybe 10 years. I think really my background is more of managing people. And as we talked before, right, being a people person is number one. And I think from my experience so far in sales, it's really being first and foremost a good person. At Argus, leading the R&D, I think it was a super interesting experience. I learned a lot from the founders there, amazing people. And being still a very startup mode, despite when you're leading the R&D group, you have a lot of pre-sales, cross-sale activities, and you have a lot of engagements with different customers, specifically there because it was in the automotive industry. So we got to engage with a lot of US-based customers, German-based customers, Japanese-based customers, wherever the automotive industry sits at. So I got to engage with a lot of different cultures, different types of transactions and businesses. And when you're in a small company, right? So you get to engage a lot with customers. So I wasn't closing the deals. I was there before and after, so pre-sale and pro-sale. But this really helped a lot. I think it's very common that in startups, the CEO or the founders are usually the best salespeople because first of all, they're not sales reps. They're more reputable to the customer and it's their baby. So they know everything about it. And they want to hear the good, the bad. You just brought a point that I wanted to go deeper. It's their baby. So you basically care about your baby. We used to have this joke back in the company I used to work is that don't ever call the customer baby ugly because they really care about what they do. Now, as a sales leader, as a CEO, you're leading all the big deals, but eventually you're hiring people and you help to promote them and then they become the sales. How do you let go from the baby that somebody will don't sell your baby correctly? I think this doesn't have to do only with sales. I think you have to slowly but surely let go and let your baby run. And that's a good thing. One of the best experiences I had is going on the honeymoon with my wife. A few weeks, I wasn't involved with what's going on with the company. And that was amazing. Things happened. The baby is running and the parents are not at home and everything is working. And that was one of the best experiences I've had so far in this journey. And before sales, it's bringing in the R&D. And then bringing up the VP product. And then he needs to build a roadmap and the vision. And, you know, it's from the small things. What color would this button be? And what kind of feature are we going to do next? How will we shape the vision differently or calibrate ourselves according to different customer feedback and how we understand the customer feedback? So delegating used to be everything, just the founders to different leaders in different aspects is not easy, but it's super necessary. And that's why it's super important to bring in people who, you know, been there, did that, and you can trust and delegate this really responsibility with a full heart and confidence. I think, you know, sales in the end, they're the front line of the company. They're there, they're engaging. So I think, again, just bringing the best people and trusting them and understanding that sometimes we do mistakes. Also, I do mistakes, everybody does mistakes, but learning from them and getting people who are open-minded and are coachable, that's super important in any position, maybe especially in sales in that sense. As part of being a salesperson, Customers probably ask you a lot, oh, we really would like this feature. If you're going to get this feature, we're going to buy it for sure. And it's like a chicken in the egg. You may say, oh, we definitely have this feature. Don't worry about this. And you're coming back home and developing quickly. Or being come from, hey, I don't have this feature, but I'm more than happy to do it in two, three months. What is your approach? 
that's the common kind of startup deviation you can take. I think that the most important part is really getting to the test of, does this align with my vision? And that's why having a North Star is super important, having everyone aligned. So even as a founder, you don't have to deal with that. You want your people, your managers to know, to understand the dilemma and get their recommendation, at least if not their decision set right at their level. So understanding the North Star and the vision and how does this really compile together with the other artists that we currently have. If this creates a big deviation from the vision, so you have to think, is our vision wrong? What are we doing here? Not just do it because... The customer wanted to do it. The second part is really, is this rocket science or is this something I can actually commit to in a few months? Sometimes customers will ask for things that might not be in the roadmap, but also you don't know how to solve in terms of the research behind that. Sometimes the features are actually more of an engineering effort. You just have to get the time to allocate and do. The latter one are much easier to commit to. Of course, if they align with your vision, and you have to communicate what's your commitment in terms of delivery of that. I think the second one is more interesting. Sometimes you get challenged with kind of more progressive features and innovative ideas. And that's kind of where you should say, all right, let me think about it. We might get to do some research about it and get back to you. I'm not sure if this is something we can really provide, regardless if it aligns with the vision or not. So that's two kind of aspects of asks that we usually get. If you can go back to the beginning of starting the company is there anything you will do different i think in the beginning we were talking and looking at different competitors so there are a few seed a sage startups starting more or less around our time which is good it builds up the confidence that we're not the only crazy ones trying to solve the problem that we're solving but really, I think the cybersecurity ecosystem is amazing in Tel Aviv and in Israel. But actually, it's very small. It doesn't reflect what the world looks like. And the fact that you have three or four other startups around you, right, means actually nothing. They may all be wrong. They may all be right. And it doesn't mean really anything about the competition and the traction that this really gets in the market. So I think if I would go a year back, I would tell myself just care less about what's going on there, look straight and run. Of course, we did do that, but it took a few months of always keeping an eye open. And I think that's a big thing because the market worldwide is huge. And usually most prospects don't even hear about the problem of other startups that are out there. So we all have bad days from time to time. And it's okay, you know, it's startups. What Jackson does to himself to get back on the horse, kind of to get back from a bad days? What's your personal, maybe meditation, maybe something else? I think for me, it's friends and family. And they usually help me look at the bigger picture. You know, you have the daily struggles, but then you kind of look and say, wait, let's pause for a second. Let's look at the amazing teams that we put together. Let's look at the amazing customers that we have and the value that we're providing. The bigger picture of what we've built here, although sometimes some tasks are taking too long and things that you can't seem to accomplish or look at a huge mountain to hike. So first looking at the bigger picture, understanding where you are in terms of this journey always helped me kind of refresh of energy. And then, like I said, like just Sometimes just taking a time off, closing the PC, closing the phone in the side, spending some time with the friends and family always gets you back with much more energy. Before we close off, any recommendations you can give to people who want to start their own company? I think the most important thing is really the partners in terms of the co-founders that you start with this journey much more than the idea or the vision of the company, right? So having good partners you can trust and run with without any doubt. 
is the most fundamental and important aspect of starting this journey. And then looking through this journey, I think the most valuable connections I got that are helping me and I say us as founders are really other experienced entrepreneurs. So this could be serial entrepreneurs. This could be just entrepreneurs that are a year or two ahead of you. Today, I find them to be really some of my most valuable contacts because they really feel what you're feeling on the day-to-day and they're mostly up-to-date with what's going on in the market and they can just help from the very, very high-level strategy of things all the way down to the tactical tasks and things that you have to deal with as founders sometimes. Jackson, thank you very much for being here today and good luck in the competition. Thank you very much for having me, Evgeny.